Lord. Father, we bless you this day and we pray for the ministry of your spirit in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody says, amen, amen, amen. Well, glory to God. Amen, amen. Well, praise the Lord. We got a couple of uh, announcements that we want to make before uh, we get started. Uh, we had a wonderful vacation Bible school this year. It was, uh, I, I believe, it was our best vacation Bible school that we've had. Um, and it, it was uh, just a very imp- uh, beautiful time that we had. And um, we had so many people volunteering and helping out. So many people prayed for vacation Bible school. And um, I know a lot of the workers are tired. Uh, but, but the thing is, is that um, all that time and prayer and the Word of God got into the hearts and souls of those children. We had so many of them pray to receive Christ to be their Savior. And uh, it, that, was a ble- that was the best part of the whole Vacation Bible School. Um, but it was very good, very great. And um, one of the things that we wanted to do as well is just uh, with sorrow and celebration, uh, let you know as well that um, one of our our sister, Sister Maggie, passed away this week, and um, it's Sister Della and Sister Rosie's sister. And she, and you may not know this, but at one time she was the youth pastor here at our church. Um, she was an evangelist. She had a heart for God, and um, her services are going to be this week, and we would encourage you to come and love on the family, but we wanted to present, if you guys will come up, we want to pray for y'all, and we want to present you guys with this flower. We just want you guys to know that we love you. And we want to just pray for our sisters this morning. And, and we want you to just pray with us. And, you know, we're, we're sorrowing because, you know, of, of Sister Maggie and her life. But we're celebrating as well because we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that one day we, we likewise will be present with the Lord with our family and our friends and what a great celebration that's going to be. But we want to stand with our sisters this morning and just bless you guys and pray for God's blessing over you. Amen. We love y'all. If you would, just stretch forth your hands as we pray for us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love, God. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord, over our lives. And, Father, we just pray that you would pour out your spirit upon our sisters this morning. Thank you, Father, for Sister Maggie, Lord. Thank you for her life, God. Thank you for her legacy. And, Lord, thank you so much for her love for you. Lord, we thank you for this family, God, for these sisters. Lord, we pray that you would just renew their heart, God, that you would pour out your spirit upon them and refresh them and restore them. God, we pray that you would undergird them through these days, God. We ask, Father, for that strength, God, that passes all understanding, Lord, to be upon them. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your grace this day. Lord, we ask that you, your grace, Lord, would rule, Lord, through their life, Father, that you would sustain them, God, strengthen them, Lord, this Lord, we thank you for every memory, God. Thank you for every memory that we have. And God, we pray for that peace, God, upon their life. Thank you for the comforter, God. Thank you, Father, that you uphold us, God, that you are the rock, God, that is higher than us. And Lord, we pray that you would sustain our sisters this morning, God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Blessed assurance. Thank you, Lord, for your assurance, O God. Praise God. Amen. One of the things that that we have to look forward to is when the Lord calls us home. And what a great reunion. I I don't know about you, but I have some family that's waiting on me. Amen. Amen. And I can't wait to see them again. And that's the hope that Christianity gives. No other religion affords that assurance. No other faith has that assurance. Every other faith leads you up to the doorstep of good works. Christianity takes you to the glory of the Father. Amen. Because that price has been paid. 
Amen. That price has been paid. That ticket's been punched by Christ. And, and he said, as he's lifted up, he draws all men to himself. That's the assurance of our faith. And so we're thankful this morning for, for that assurance of eternal life. But, you know, we still sorrow, but we don't sorrow like the world does. So we don't, you know, it, it's true that we sorrow, but not like the world. We, we, miss, we miss talking with them and loving them and things like that. We sorrow, but the pain, the, the, the depth of that sorrow has been removed because of the resurrection. Because of the resurrection and because of the invitation that Christ gives us, that sting, amen, as Paul says in Corinthians, O death, where is thy sting? Amen. So we praise God for that, and, and again, we do just want you to, to, to remember the family. If you can make it uh, Monday for the, for the visitation and Tuesday for the service, I know the family would appreciate that, but I know them well enough to know that even if you couldn't make it, the prayers are coveted more than anything. The prayers are coveted more than anything, so amen. All right, praise the Lord. Well, um, and, and we do want to recognize our children, which uh, we'll, we'll do that later. But um, we had so many children this, this week pray to receive Christ that it was just a time of celebration. And um, we're thankful for all the, the uh, everybody that brought children, grandchildren. We had people bring in great-grandchildren. Um, we, had, we had a great time, and um, it was a, a, a very blessed week. Amen. All right, let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 7, and we're going to get into the Word of God this morning. Mark chapter 7 is where we're going to begin. Hallelujah. Well, we have the, the, the best part of the week is today. That's uh, Sunday, the first part of the week. We start, you're starting out the week right. It's Sunday morning, and um, the best way that we can begin our week is by devoting it to God and uh, coming into the house of God to worship the Lord Jesus. And, and we're going to be talking about worship today. And I, I, I love the fact how the Lord orchestrates the songs because I don't, I don't select them. And uh, the songs always, always just line up with the word that God gives me. And I thank God for that so much. And you'll see as we go through the message today, we're going to be talking about worship. And, um, and this morning, I pray that the Lord uh, ministers to your life. And we all walk out of here with a different view than the way we walked in. And that we will all walk out differently than we came in. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and pray, and then we're going to get into the Word today. Heavenly Father, we bless you this day. Lord, we thank you for your presence and the power, Lord, of your Spirit. Lord, we ask that this day that you would anoint your Word. As we open up the Word of God, Lord, we pray that the Word of God would, would quicken us, Lord, that it would cause life. Lord, that you would open our blind eyes, and Lord, that you would prepare our hearts right now. Lord, I ask for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And Lord, we all ask for the heart, for that anointing, God, over our heart, over our ears, to hear and receive all that you have for us today. And Lord, we ask it. We ask it in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everybody says, well, hallelujah. So in Mark chapter 7, the Lord Jesus is, is, is with his disciples and how many of you know sometimes you encounter folks that, that, that have a religious spirit? Amen. Sometimes you encounter folks that have a religious spirit about them. And, and you know, all religion's not good and all religion's not bad, but you have to know the difference between godly religion and a religious spirit. A godly, godly religion will lead you closer to God. A religious spirit will make you feel like you're no good. And one of the things that we see in, in this passage is the Lord's going to deal with this issue. Um, let's pick it up in verse. Um, let's pick it up in verse number one. It says, "Then came together unto him the Pharisees, and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of the disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they found fault." 
For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come in from the market, except they wash, they eat not, and many other things there be which they have received to hold, as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes ask him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. One of the things I want to get into this morning is vain worship. Vain worship is one of the things that we have. A, it's a scourge on the church today. Many people today, as A.W. Tozer said, are worshiping worship instead of worshiping God. Today, we have people that worship uh, to, to have a feeling, an emotional response. But one of the things that you'll see throughout this message is that worship is, is, is a direct result of being in God's presence and giving God the honor and glory that he's due. Worship is one of those things that has to be birthed, not taught. And one of the things that we see here from the Pharisees is they had to teach their people, don't do this, wash your hands like that. Don't do this, you need to do it like that. And they, they began to set up all their religious rules on how they were called to worship. And Jesus called them out and he said that they draw near with their mouth, but their hearts are far from God. And one of the things that we have in the church world today is many people say words that they don't mean with their heart. I often say this, but I believe that on the day of judgment, I believe we're going to be held in account for every word we spoke. How about you? Did Jesus not say that? We're going to be held to account. We're going to be judged for every idle word. If every idle word is going to hold us in judgment, I assure you every spoken word as well. Amen. Every word we speak in passing. I was How many of you know we speak words, idle words in passing, and we don't want anybody to know about it? I wouldn't have wore that black tie with that shirt if I was a pastor. You know, you know how we say in these very words, God's going to hold us accountable for. I believe that on Judgment Day, likewise, we're going to be held in account for whenever we sung, I surrender all, but didn't. Amen. When we sing, I surrender all, but didn't, I believe we will be held in account for it. The same way that Jesus called these Pharisees hypocrites because they spoke the right words, but their heart was far from God. I believe in the church today, we have a people that is lavishing words without heart. And God's not satisfied with a church that worships in formalities and trivialities and word only and not in spirit and not in truth. In other words, God's not satisfied if we speak the right word, but we don't have a heart to back it up. And see, one of the things that, that the Lord teaches us over and over and over is to make sure that our hearts are right with him. God has made abundant provision at Calvary for us to come and to have our, car, our hearts cleansed. And some of us need to go daily, some of us twice a day. Some of us need to stay at that cross, right? We need to do what we need to do to keep ourselves at Calvary because there's only one place that God's given that we can have our heart cleansed, and that's at the cross. At the cross, there's a cost. Christ Paid it all. But you're not going to be able to come to that cross and hold on to the world at the same time. You cannot hold hands with the world and Jesus at the same time. And if you come to the cross of Calvary, you're going to have to let go of self. You're going to have to let go of your thoughts, your ways, and what you think is right and how you think things ought to be and having friendship with the world. James 4 teaches us that if you're a friend of the world, you're at enmity with God. In, in, in plainer words, that means if you're a friend of that world, you have made yourself an enemy of God. And what we see is that cost definitely was paid at the cross, but 
Far too many of us don't take liberty that God has afforded us in coming to that cross and getting our heart cleansed out. Amen. You, you don't know what you need. I, and, and I love you enough to tell you that. You may think you know what you need, but you don't. You need to humble. We all need to humble ourselves. We need to come to the, come to the altar, come to that cross and say, Lord, search my heart. Look, if your car has a blind spot, I assure you, your heart does too. Amen. God forbid that we think that we know it all. The Spirit of God knows it all. God searches the heart. Amen. The Spirit of God is what searches us. And we need to humble ourselves and come back to God and say, Lord, search my heart. If there's something in me that's keeping me back from giving you all, show me what it is. Show me what it is, Lord. If it's something that I need to let go of, if it's something that I need to repent of, if it's something that I need to do, sometimes we might need to go and apologize to somebody. You know, there was a time I had such a roadblock and, and, and somebody had done me wrong and God told me to go and apologize to them. And I thought, I didn't do anything wrong. They wronged me and it was a family situation. And it hurt so bad. I could not believe that my family did me the way that they did. But God told me to go ask for forgiveness from them. And I thought, Lord, they should be asking me. And God used my wife to speak to me. God used my wife. She asked me, when was the last time I prayed for them? And, and, and as soon as I began to pray for them, it broke my heart. And I didn't care anymore about who was right or wrong. I didn't care anymore. You know what? If you think you're right, go right ahead. If you think I'm wrong, I don't care. All I want is I want this impediment between me and God gone. I don't care what you think the score is. God knows what the score is. Vengeance belongs to God. I don't care anymore. I just want this impediment between me and my God gone. Sometimes we need to get to that place where we're willing, where we're willing to be laughed at, we're willing to be mocked, we're willing to have the score upside down in the eyes of the world. You might say, well, that's not fair. Come on now. I would rather have this thing between me and God removed than worrying about they should have done this and they shouldn't have done this. And let me tell you one more thing. Don't you ever think that you can do this? We've got to get off of those things. And realize there's something more important at hand. And that is the condition of our heart before God. The condition of our heart before God. And I want to tell you something. God is not interested in a church that can't worship. God's looking for worshipers. And sometimes some of us are too dignified to give God the glory he's due. Come on now. Some of us, we got too much starch in us that we can't worship God like he needs to be worshipped. Like he deserves to be worshipped. So we, sometimes we, gotta, we, we need to stop going to the dry cleaners, y'all. We, we, we need to say, easy on the starch, I've got to worship God. So we've got too much starch in the churches today. Amen. God forbid that we have dignity and lose worship. Look what David did. David worshiped so hard, his clothes began to fall off. Amen. Amen. You, you, can't, you cannot consider what other people think about you and worship to the point that your clothes begin to come off. Amen. That's a heart of worship. And, and, and one of the things that, that we need to do is we need to see that God is that worthy. And God's going to help you this morning. Because God's going to get his church back to the place where we need to be. God's going to do it. God's going to get us back to that place where we need to be. Some of us have left our first love. Some of us have left our first love and we're going through the motions. We know what, we, we know what we're supposed to do. We know what we're supposed to say. We know when to stand up. We know when to sit down. Right, we're, we're not Catholics, right? But we know when to stand up and when to sit down. We know when to do this and we know when to do that. And we know we better, we, you know, you, you, you may not be at church every time, but you know, if you don't go, if you don't go at least once a month, pastor might call you or something. So you're going to go just say the right words, 
But you know what? God's not interested in a people that say the right words and do the right things if our hearts are far from him. God's looking for a people that are willing to humble themselves. Whatever it takes to go low and to get things right between us and God. I want to assure you something. God's got your back. The world may be against you. Let them be against you. God's for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? God, look, you don't need to worry about them and you don't need to worry about anything else except God. Get things right between you and God. Lose yourself in God and watch God work in your life. But some of us, we have too much dignity and starch to worship God the way that we know he should be worshiped. And God's going to help us in this area today. Today in the church world today, though, emotionalism rules. Emotionalism is one of, the, one of the things that we've got to contend against in our generation. And make no mistake about it, you're not called to be a wishy-washy, just-go-along-with-the-flow kind of Christian. In the book of Jude, verse 3, Jude commands you to contend for the faith that was once given to the apostles. You are called to stand up for what is right. You are called to stand up for what is true. Contend for what you know is the faith. Contend for it means fight for what is right. Fight for the word of God. Fight for the truth of God. And one of the things that we have in the church world today is we have so many of these flaky churches going over and giving in to emotionalism. Look, if you have, if you have mood lighting and you have soft music, that's how, that's how people manipulate others. I heard at one time somebody said that, that that that's how teenage boys try to get over on teenage girls, mood lighting and soft music. And that's exactly what these people have brought into the church. It is emotionalism through and through. And the church today, listen, it's not about singing the right songs, having the right notes, having perfect musical instruments and harmony and all these things. It's about our hearts coming back to God. And I assure you, if you come to God and you get your heart right with God, he'll correct the things that need to get corrected. Amen. Amen. He will. He will correct the things that need to get corrected. But it says here that there was vain worship going on. Vain worship. Vain, vain is one of those things that, that, that um, it's empty. It's void of any power. Amen. It's void of any power. I want you to think about something. Jesus called worship vain. There were people that worshipped Jehovah God. They they knew the right God. They weren't worshiping. Um, they weren't worshiping um, some false religion. They weren't worshiping uh, Hindu God. They weren't worshiping um, Allah. They weren't worshiping some false God. They were worshiping Jehovah God. They named the right God. They had the right name. They had the right doctrine. They just didn't have a right heart. See, that's why God's called us to not stand up in these places and give book reports. Book reports make the head get big. Preaching cuts to the heart. Preaching cuts to the heart. Nobody ever ever sawed a book report in half, but a prophet of God, they did. Come on now. Nobody ever got sawed in half for standing up and giving a book report and making people's head get bigger. But it was the prophets of God that were filleted, that were sawed in half, that were beheaded, that were crucified, that were boiled. That's who. Because the word of God, when it's preached, gets to the heart of the issue. And God's not satisfied with worship in word only. God wants us to lose the starch. Think about this. Think about this. We have a worship problem in America. Did you know that people will pay money to go worship God? Where in the word of God do you ever see it okay to pay money to worship God? And people, we saw one thing this week. Tickets were $999 to go hear four men preach and worship God. Tickets were $999. Now, I'll be it. It gets you autographs, pictures, and T-shirts as well. But people are pimping the gospel. 
And the sad reality is, is that there's a lot of churches that will imitate those things. They may not, they, they may not be able to do it on a bigger production scale and sell the tickets for $999, but they will imitate the lighting, they will imitate the sound, and they will imitate everything about it. That's right, if they could, they would. But emotionalism is what we have in the church today. We have lights, and we have reverb, and we have atmosphere. I want to tell you something. God's not con- God is not concerned about those things. Amen. Do you know that people worship God before there was electricity? Amen. Amen. People worship God before there was a sound system. Amen. How? <laughs> people worship God. And one of the things that we see in the in, that you're going to see in this message is that that true worship is unashamed. True worship is unashamed. Do you remember whenever God saved you? Did you look out of the corner of your eye to see if anybody was watching? Or were you in that moment just lost in God? Worship is unashamed. Worship is not holding on to this life and trying to get closer to God. Worship is letting go of this life and giving all to God. Worship is in submission to the one true God. It does have right doctrine. Worship, true worship, is not propped up by artificial means. You you, you can worship God in the woods with no music and lighting. You can worship God at work. I've been on construction sites and worship God. I turned it into a church. I've, I've worshiped God in different various places. It's not, about the, it's not about the place. How many of you know that now we're the temple of God? Amen. Know you not that you are the temple of God? God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands anymore. Amen. The whole reason of Pentecost was that God would live inside you. You are a temple of God. You're called to worship and honor God. Now, you don't go to the temple once a week. You are the temple of God. That's why you're called to live righteous. That's why you're called to dress righteous. That's why you're called to eat righteous. That's why you're called to watch righteous movies if you watch movies. And sing righteous songs if you sing righteous songs. You're called to live holy unto God. If the Holy Ghost lives inside you, I assure you, he expects you to live a holy life from top to bottom, not just on Sunday. From, from what we wear to what we watch to what we listen to, God's called you to live holy. The book of Peter, we see God said, be ye holy, for I am holy. He didn't say try to be holy every now and then. He said, be ye holy, for I am holy. Holiness goes hand in hand with God. The most, the, the, the most concentric quality of God is his holiness. Holy, holy, holy. The thrice holy God. That's who our God is. He, the holiness means set apart. They say one of the pictures for holiness means when you're, I don't know if you've ever cut a carrot up, but you know how you cut the stem off and then you cut the other pieces and you push the bad stuff to one side and the good stuff to the other? Holiness is that. Holiness is separation. And God is so far separate than us. He's holy, holy, holy. He's so far above us. He's so beautiful, so awesome, so mighty. He is thrice holy, way more than we could ever comprehend. But God's looking for people that are worshipers today. God's looking for worshipers. I want to tell you something. God, God, God is, is actually searching for this. Amen. God is actually searching for this. Let me show you. Turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And we'll go to verse number 22. True worship is what God desires, not vain worship. Many, many times, especially if, you'll, if, you'll, if you begin to go out and contend for your faith and you begin to share your faith with people, you'll, you'll start to understand this. But just because somebody names God doesn't mean that they're right with God. You can even have people that preach God not be right with God. 
You can have people sing about God but not be right with God. I hope that they still don't do it, but I know in the past there were churches that used to bring worldly musicians out of the bars onto the platform and send them back to the bars on the weekend. God forbid. You think we're pulling the wool over God's eyes? What are we worshiping if we're not right with God? We're not. We're making a production. We've turned worship into a production. And I'm going to show you in just a second, worship is not a production. Worship is birthed. Worship is birthed. It is not produced. It is birthed. Jesus said this in verse number 22. He was asked a question about worship. But he said, you worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must, come on now, must worship Him in spirit and in truth. God's looking at our worship. This is not a small issue to God. This shows where you are with God. God's not, when you stand before God, He is not going to ask why you didn't learn Latin. Why you didn't learn how to read the New Testament in Greek. Why you didn't write a commentary on the book of John. But He is going to demand where your worship was. Whether you worshiped Him in spirit and in truth or you gave Him vain worship. Spirit and truth, that means that you worship with the right heart and you worship the right God, the right way. God has a prescribed way of worship. Again, I I will say, you cannot hold hands with the world and Jesus at the same time. This world crucified Christ. This world crucified Christ. This world hated Christ. When you go and talk to somebody and you begin to, you begin to preach the word, they'll say, oh, you, need to, you need to be more like Jesus. Well, hello, Jesus preached so hot and heavy, they crucified him. Amen. Jesus preached the truth and holiness, and he preached the standard of God so high that they killed him. You want us to get back to that standard? I hope we do. We should get to that standard. It's a, it, it, it's, a con, it's a condemnation on us that people don't try to kill us when we preach. The truth cuts. Look, God causes dead things to come alive. God causes the blind to see. God takes those that are in darkness and brings them into light. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I didn't even know I was lost before I got saved. But the word of God cut through my heart. The word of God and the spirit of God ran me smack over. When the word of God was preached and the Holy Spirit told me I was lost and on my way to hell, I knew that I had run into a dead end and it was time to get right with God or go on to hell. But I knew there was a dead end right there. See, this, this whole, well, you know, squishy and better and, you know, your life's good, but Jesus gives you a cherry on top and you, 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 you need more stuff in your life. And the reason why things are so hard is because you're not doing it God's way. Look, come on now. If you do it God's way, the world's going to come against you. The world will push you down. If you stand for Christ, the world will come against you. Holy war will be raging. The spirit of the world will be coming against you. But praise God, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Just when the enemy thinks he's got you down, God will lift you up. God will be there for you. When the whole world turns against you, God will be by your side. And I don't care if the world turns against me. So long as God is for me, who cares who's against me let them talk let them be against you but God be for you that's the thing like God be for you 
But you see, when true preaching goes on, when true, the, when the Spirit of God really hits, it, it makes people say, you know what? I need to get right with God. I'm not where I need to be. I need to get right. And it's not about you coming into agreement with me and what I teach. It's about you coming into agreement with the Word of God and the Spirit of God and saying yes to the Lord and no to the world. And the lie of the church today is everything will go better when you do that. That's a lie. Most of the time, things will get worse. We, we, that's the reason why we have so many crawfish Christians. Backing up, backing up, giving more territory to the devil. Backing up, backing up. Oh, you don't want me to preach? Okay. You don't want me to lift my hands? Okay. You don't want me to cry at the altar? Okay. You don't want me to pray? Okay. And they keep backing up, backing up, backing up. God forbid that we back up anymore. We need to move forward and take territory for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. We are going to march through this world and magnify our Lord Jesus Christ and declare that he is God, that this world belongs to him, and every knee will bow to him. Every tongue will confess that my Jesus Christ is Lord. But we have so many crawfish Christians, they will back up and back up and back up. To the point to where you're backed up in a corner and, and you don't have the power of God working in your life anymore. You don't have hope. You don't have light. You don't have nothing because you've crawfished yourself into a corner. Well, come on now. It's time to come out. Today's the day we're going to come out of the corner. We're going to come out swinging in Jesus' name. We're going to come out swinging in Jesus' name. Amen. We used to sing a song, we take them back what the enemy done took from us. And some of us, the enemy done took your shout of victory. Some of you, he took your joy. Some of you, he took your peace. Some of you, he took all that he could take, and you didn't say a word about it. But God's, God is stirring and arousing the spirit this morning. God is stirring and arousing the spirit this morning. We have people today that have crawfished because if you believe the lie that if you serve God, everything will get better with you and the world, you have bought the lie of the enemy. Don't make any mistake about it. There are such things as wolves in sheep's clothing. Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruit. So just because somebody names the name of God doesn't mean they're for God. I showed you Mark 7, 7 for a reason. Because there were people that worshipped Jehovah God, but Jesus said they were vain in their worship, and he called them hypocrites. So there are people that will say the right words, but they are not right with God. Wolves in sheep's clothing. And you see that crawfish Christian spirit says, oh, well, just let them be. Oh, eat the meat and spit out the bones. Oh, you know, I want you to know something. Aaron lost his sons because God don't eat meat and spit out bones. His sons offered up strange fire to God, and God killed them. And Moses told him not to even sorrow because God is not going to allow corruption into the kingdom of God. When it, comes to, when it comes to the kingdom of God, God is holy, God is pure, and God is a straight gate and a narrow road, and God's not going to widen that thing for nobody, no how, not even Aaron's sons. They died because they offered up, they offered up strange fire. And we have today in the church world, eat the meat, spit out the bones, and we wonder why we have to have emotional music to get people to clapping. We wonder why we have to have LED lighting screens and we have to have motion lights going on in the church because our people don't know the power of God and we're, we're carnal people today and we have to be moved by emotionalism. We don't need, I wish we could get all the smoke screens, LED screens and emotional music and poor lighting out of the churches. Amen. Amen. We either need to sit in the dark or turn the lights on, but this in-between stuff is a corruption thing. It's mood lighting. It's mood lighting. And you need to see it for what it is. That's right. 
Amen. One of the things that we see here, though, is that God's looking for worshipers. God's looking for worshipers. I want you to listen to that because I'm going to take you somewhere right now. God's looking for worshipers. And I'm going to show you a woman that worshiped Jesus. God's looking for worshipers. And I'm going to show you a woman right now that worshiped Jesus. And I want you to come up to her standard. I want you to come up to her standard. Turn, turn, turn in your Bible with me to Luke 7. Luke 7. Luke 7. Amen. The old alabaster box. The alabaster box. Luke chapter 7. I want you to see something. True worship is not taught. It's birthed. It's birthed. How many of you remember the time that God saved you? You remember the time that God filled you with the Holy Ghost? When you was baptized in the Holy Ghost? If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost, you need, to, you need to come and get baptized in the Holy Ghost. You're spinning your wheels. It's not, it's, it, it's not even about, you know, well, you, you, if you're going to be effective in ministry, you need the baptism. No, if you're going to live, I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost to live. To live. I need the Holy Spirit to empower me just so that I can function. This world is inundating us, stealing everything that God has afforded us. Only the Spirit of God, only the Spirit of God can sustain you. And not only will he sustain you, but he'll empower you. Watch this, though. In verse number 36, Luke 7, verse 36. Now, let me just prepare you because there's like 10 10 10 verses in this so it's kind of long and I don't have time to exposit fully every word but I want you to get the heart of this passage let's start in verse 36 it says and one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with them And and when he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet and behold a woman in the city which was a sinner Key word, was, was, not is, was. This talks about the change that transpired in this woman's life. She once was a sinner, but now she is not a sinner. This talks about how old things were passed away and all things are made new in Christ Jesus. This woman was at one time a sinner. And you either are or was a sinner. All of sin that comes short of the glory of God. All of us have a past. God forbid you're still in sin. If you're still in sin, today's the day you need to come get clean with God. You can't die in your sin and go to glory. You need to come and get right with God. There's only one place where you can get right with God, and that's at the cross. It says, behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. Now, the theologians can talk about what the ointment was and how expensive the alabaster box was, but I just want you to see what she did. Is it obviously was worth a lot? And they'll say, you know, that this, this ointment was of this value, but I want you to see what she did. She stood behind. Look at verse 38. She stood, she stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. You see, 
Nobody taught her to do this. Nobody taught her, go stand behind Jesus, cry, take your hair, wipe his feet. Something happened to this woman. Something happened to her. I want you, I want you to think about something. She went behind Jesus in a room full of Pharisees. You ever went to an altar when you knew nobody in the church wanted you to go to the altar because they were ready to go to Red Lobster? Everybody else is looking at their watch because, you know what, if we don't get to Cafe USA in time, they're going to close. And, and, and you've got this woman who was, the commentary say she was a prostitute. We don't know. But she had a past. And, and, and the, every indication is every person in the city knew she was a sinner. How many of you got a past like that? Everybody knows who you were. Yeah. They know who. And the hardest thing is with family. Because family, family can only see your flesh. They don't see the new spirit in you. They can only equate you with who you were. They, can't, they, they do not see in the spirit at all. Family's the hardest one to deal with on this issue. Watch this. Nobody taught her to go cry and worship and wipe his feet with her hair. What taught her to do that? Love. Forgiveness. New life. That she wasn't who she used to be. That is what birthed in her a heart of worship. There was not a, 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 a worship leader in the room saying, can I get somebody to come and worship the Lord today? Come on, somebody come up. There was no emotional pleas. There was no keyboard in the background. There was no mood lighting. There was no, you know, there was no acapella music. There was none of that. In fact, it was the very opposite. It was a stuffy room full of vain worshipers, full of starch that didn't know God more than a man in the moon. They knew the right name, but they didn't have a heart right with God. They were Pharisees, and Jesus called them hypocrites because they didn't know God. Have you worshiped God in a room like that? Most people today... Most people today won't go to an altar because there's too many people looking at them. Look, if you're in a church, for the most part, people are for you, okay? For the most part. Now, I understand there's squirrels in the bunch, but for the most part, people are for you in a church. This woman walked in the enemy's camp and saw her Jesus and stood behind the incarnated Word of God, stood behind God in the flesh, and she began to cry, and she began to weep, and her, her, her tears hit his feet, and she began to wash those feet with her very hair. Nobody taught her. She was so changed. She, she was so thankful that she wasn't who she used to be. That she was ready to worship God with all that she had. Can I ask you? When was the last time you cried at Jesus' feet? When was the last time that we were willing to worship no matter what anybody thought? I commend this woman because she defies our generation's worship. She didn't have the mood lighting. She, she, she didn't have the, the people just snapping their fingers and clapping their hands and the piano banging and the drums are popping. She didn't have none of that. She had a stuffy room of religious Pharisees staring at her, staring at her. And she didn't miss a beat. 
She did not miss a beat. So sometimes you've got to get a defiant spirit. You've got to say, you know what? I'm going to worship God, whatever it costs. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, she pressed in through the crowd, right? She pressed in through the crowd. She didn't care if it cost her her life. She was going to get to Jesus. Can I tell you something? Today, you need Jesus. If you think you don't need Jesus, you need Jesus more than you think. I told you earlier, if cars have blind spots, your heart surely does. If something so inanimate and so worthless and, and so temporary as a car has a blind spot, you and your heart surely does. And that's why we need to pray, Lord, search me. Search me, God. Where am I vulnerable? Where am I weak? Where am I crawfishing? Where am I backing up at? Look, it says in the next verse, it says, Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it. Now what would you do if you saw a woman worship like that? I can tell you, in most churches, after about 3.5 minutes, they'd be either looking at their watch or going to get a drink Going to the restroom. When is this woman going to be done crying? When the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. There's the key, one of the keys. He saw her as who she used to be. He didn't see her in the light of the change that God did in her. He could only see the outward. God sees the inward. The Spirit of God bears witness with the inward. But this man could only see her for what she was. Jesus says she was a sinner. The Pharisee says she is. Can I, you, you know why? Because change does not, listen to this, change does not compute with a religious spirit. A religious spirit thinks you were born this way, you're going to die this way. A religious spirit thinks that you cannot change. A religious spirit thinks that you were always this way, you've had it that way, and you're going to always have it that way. But God changes lives. God takes the dead things and causes them to come alive. God takes those things that were broken and he mends them and makes them new. God calls things to be new. Religion alone cannot change a person. It takes the Spirit of God to change somebody. It takes the Spirit of God. You, you can say the right words all you want, but if you don't have the Spirit of God, there's no change. It takes the anointing of God to break the yoke. Words can't break a yoke. Only the anointing of God can break yokes. You see, and, and there's so many things going on in this passage that you've got to understand this. Don't stop until there's change. Don't stop until there's change. If inside of you there is not a heart of worship, if you're still too starchy, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you don't cry before God, if you don't fall on your knees and cry out to God anymore, press in until there's change. Because religion can't change anybody. Only God can. And, and the reason this Pharisee, it didn't compute with him. Because he saw who she used to be. Everybody in town knew who she was, but God had done changed her. God had done broken that off. God took her past, and like he says, as far as the east is from the west, he remembers her past no more. How many of you want God to do that with your past? 
As far as the east is from the west, God remembered it no more. She was a new person. But this Pharisee was just, could only look at her through old eyes. So the Pharisee thought this, and Jesus answered the thought. This is one of the ways, this is one of the signs, or one of the ways that Jesus showed that he is God. Because this Pharisee only thought this. But Jesus, it says in verse 40, answering, said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say to thee. And he said, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. One owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? One person owes 500, the other owes 50. The creditor forgives them both. Who's going to love more? Who's going to love more? Let me say it like this. Your mortgage. Somebody pays off your mortgage and somebody puts a a full tank of gas in somebody else's car. Who's going to love the most? You understand? Jesus is saying there's there's a creditor that's forgiving debt. And biblically speaking, we're all in debt to God. All of, us have, all of us have failed. All of us have sinned and come short of God's glory. All of us are in debt to God, and without God's mercy, we'll all go to hell. But God wants to show us that he still forgives debt. And the key to understanding the heart of this woman was that she saw herself as a 500. She owed God 500. Simon thought he only owed God 50. This woman looked at her debt to God in such a great way, she knew she couldn't pay this debt. Have you seen your sin this way? Listen, have you seen your sin this way? Do you look at your sin as a 500 or do you look at your sin as a 50? And upon that will determine whether you worship God or not. And some, some of you, you got to hear this. Because you think you're just not that bad. As long as we look at ourselves as a 50, we'll be like Simon the Pharisee. And we'll be wondering why this woman's crying so much. What's taking her so long? But when you see yourself as a 500, you'll worship Jesus and not care what anybody thinks. This woman, look at what Jesus said. He said, which of them would love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose... That he to whom he forgave most, and he said unto him, Now is rightly judged. He turned to the woman, and he said unto Simon, See this woman? I entered into your house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet my head with oil thou did not anoint but this woman has anointed my feet with ointment wherefore i say it unto thee her sins which are many are forgiven for she loves much but to whom little is forgiven the same loveth little that's the last scripture i want to read you this morning but i want you to see something The reason why a lot of people are starchy in their worship is because they've been forgiven little in their mind. The reason why some people will come and lavish their hearts upon Jesus and cry 
and worship Him regardless of the lighting, regardless of the music, regardless of the stuffy atmosphere, regardless of who's watching, regardless of who's tired of you being at the altar, regardless of who's hungry, regardless of who's got to go to the restroom, regardless of anything else. Those people that come, they'll worship. Why? Because they know they owed God 500, but God who is awesome and merciful freely and frankly forgave them of all that they owed. All 500 that you owed to God, God forgave on the basis of Calvary. At that cross, Christ purchased all 500 of it. He didn't leave one bit of it. Every sin, from abortion to homosexuality to murder to rape to lying to envy to greed, every single sin, all 500, he paid every bit of it. He paid every bit of it. And when you see that and you know that every sin you committed, he paid for and he's called you to come to him and he's called you to be made new and to live holy and upright and righteous. And he offers you this new life. And you see that in Christ Jesus, old things are passed away and all things are made new. This woman, she was worshiping Jesus because she was made new. She was a living second Corinthians 5:17. Old things had passed away. She was no longer who she once was. Now she's been made new by Christ Jesus. He forgave her sin, all 500. And she now belonged to him. All this Pharisee could see is, I know that woman. I know who she is. She is a sinner. No. The biblical way to say it is she was. She was. Now she's forgiven. Now she's a new creation. And you can see it in her worship. You can see it in her worship. In a room full of people despising her. With no music. No light LED screens flashing and moving. No blue lights on the ceiling. No red lights floating behind the pastor. No lights being dimmed. No soft music playing. She didn't care what anyone thought. She didn't care what time of day it was. She didn't care what happened to her. She saw Jesus. She saw her debt had been forgiven. And tears hit the ground. Fell upon the feet of the master. And she loved on her Jesus. Nobody had to coach her. The spirit birthed it in her. Can I tell you one thing is needed in our lives today? And it's not crawfish Christians. It's not crawfish Christians. It is people who will press in and worship Jesus with tears. And you might say, Pastor, you know what, I I have, you know, this and that. I want to tell you something. Whatever is between you and God, Christ paid for. You need to come and reconcile that with him. Come and reconcile that with him. He purchased every bit of it at Calvary. Every sin. He purchased at Calvary. And he's called you to come. He's called you to come and be cleansed and be made whole. And, and, and God is not derelict. He's not a derelict father. The promise of the father is the Holy Ghost. But he's not going to send the Holy Ghost on, a, on, 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 on Christians that are not made new. God's called you to come. God's called you to come. This morning, I want to ask you, when was the last time you broke your alabaster box on the feet of Jesus? That's it. This is between you and Jesus. When was the last time? Because I assure you, I assure you he's worthy. I assure you he's worthy. If you have a debt that you owe to God, 
know this, you can't pay it. You've got to reckon with Jesus and thank him for paying it. You've got to repent of it. You've got to turn away from it. But you've got to reconcile that with him. And I invite you today, you don't need to go to Mary. You don't need to go to a saint. You need to go to Jesus. And you need to reconcile your sin debt being paid at Calvary with him. Thank him for it. Repent of it. Turn away from it. And watch what God won't do in your life. This morning, we're going to open up our altars and give you an opportunity to respond to God. If you've never, if you've never been filled with the Spirit or you need a touch for bodily healing or if you just need me to pray with you, I'll be right here. But those of you that you need to come and give your alabaster box to the Lord this morning and worship in an unashamed manner, I invite you to come forward this morning to these altars. Lord, we bless you this day. We thank you, Lord, that you're worthy. We thank you, Lord, that you are worthy of, of our adoration. Lord, if, if anyone in, a, in here is, is, cannot see how worthy you are, Lord, I ask right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would begin to open blind eyes. That you would begin to open our eyes to the truth of who you are and what you've done. And Lord, to see that you are worthy. That you are worthy. Lord, we ask that you would do a new work in us this day. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says, amen, amen, amen. We're going to ask you if you would stand with us this morning. Those of you that need to come forward, come on forward today. And if you need me to pray with you, I'll, be, I'll meet you right here in the front. Jesus is called.